0: Sump City Radio and Necromancer podcast may contain profanity and mature content not suitable for Jews younger than 14 years of age. Listener discretion is advised.
1: city. city radio. Okay, welcome listeners to the first ever broadcast from Some City Radio. Today we are coming to you live from the one and only SCR shack situated on the dirty and corroded rock paved docks of some city harbour. I am Hive Scum Steve and with me are your two regular SCR hosts Craig Kablam Dolans and Chris Underhiver-Iden. Say hello to the nice listeners, boys. Hello. Hello. So uh, with this being the first show... We'll be taking some time to cover introductory staples, such as who we are and what the show's going to be all about. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's find out what's coming up in the rest of the episode. In a moment, we'll be handing over to Natomi Scalto for the Atmospherics report covering the wider Sump City area. Afterwards, you'll be joining us back here in the studio to learn more about your SCR hosts and about what to expect from the show. Following this, we'll be going live to our news team member, Scrofulous Pyle, for a breaking news report. After which, it's back in the studio to discuss what's hot in the hive. Hopefully you'll be keeping up with this year's champion pit fighting federation, but if you missed the start of the season, don't worry as we'll be going to our sports correspondence Blitzenkrieg to bring you up to speed with this year's murder brawl event. We'll then shoot the ship back here in the studio for a while as we discuss our main topics of the episode. And as we draw to a close, we'll return to Blitzenkrieg for the second part of their murder brawl report. And finally, it'll be back to us in the studio to see out at the end of the show. So, whilst we set up for our next segment in the studio, we'll hand you over to Natomi Scalto for our Atmospheric
0: Report. Thanks, Steve. Repair work is currently underway on the air intake ventilation shafts to the west of Sump City. This is likely to cause more directional circulation of air to the east later this evening, when the dome's airflow fans kick in. Combined with the increased flushing of coolants that tends to happen this time of year from the hive levels above, this could lead to moderate precipitation of an acrid nature. Simply put, unless the idea of hair loss and highly irritated skin appeals to you, wear your thick jackets and tin hats this evening when venturing outside. Good news for the outer dome areas, air toxicity levels are slowly declining after last cycle's waste spillage incident. However, filter plugs or respirators are still advised while near the central harbour area. Estimated spore levels are currently low dome wide but may increase with the extra moisture in the air over the next cycle. Sump water levels are currently at low tide Due to the efforts of the drainage clearance teams So there's going to be more shoreline for scavengers to explore That's all from me, back to the studio
2: I know you're going to dig this You're listening to Sump City Radio
1: All I know. So, back in the studio now, and what we're going to do is move on to talking about us, your SCR hosts, and what it is that you can actually expect from this show. Uh, So, this segment isn't really going to be something that we'll ever need to revisit, uh, so it's likely to be the most fourth-wall breaking and and meta segment that we'll ever do. Uh, But to kick things off, it's probably best that we introduce ourselves, and I've talked for long enough, so do one of you boys want to take it from here? Uh, Yeah, happy to go if you want. Okay, Chris, crack on.
3: All right, okay, so yeah, um... As uh Stephen said, uh my name's Chris. Um love Necromunda. Um you if you're a member of any Facebook group uh, that's related to Necromunda, you've probably seen thousands of my posts of uh my various creations. Um I got into the hobby for the same reason most people do, the girls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um yeah, start I was lied to. <laughs> <laughs> games workshops been uh, been part of my life for like a lot of years since i was like a, a young kid not in any kind of um obsessive way uh my brother older brother got rogue trader and a couple of other books when we were kids and we used to leaf through and just look at the the minis and the illustrations and read the law and it was it tied into that whole 2000 ad kind of vibe yeah. that we both enjoyed um and yeah, went through my childhood kind of bumping into different products along the way. So the usual hero quest, Um, my brother had the blood bowl with the polystyrene pitch. Uh, we had a mate who used to bring space uh, Hulk round, the old, the original one with the cardboard tiles. Um, And then uh, I guess it really got uh, interesting for me. Um, in the mid to late 90s when Necromunda launched and I remember walking past a window and just seeing the terrain I think it was the terrain that really sold it to me Um, so we ended up picking up a copy of that got a couple of gangs talked to our friends into getting a couple of gangs um, and then yeah, just had a crazy summer uh, unfortunately I also had puberty at that age and discovered girls had boobs and alcohol and other <laughs> things and decided to embark on a 10 year um, stretch of debauchery where I could have birthed a couple of baby slanish (laughs) all by myself. It takes me up till like the 2017 release of Necromunda. I'd considered getting Shadow War Armageddon when I'd seen that, but by the time I'd noticed it, it was sold out, the new release came out and I was, yeah, uh, elbow deep into it basically. And it's just been going from strength to strength. I thought maybe the, the, the fad would die out for me, but I've just become more and more addicted as I've discovered terrain making, converting, kit bashing. Um, uh,
4: yeah, so, and, and now I'm making a podcast about it with you two guys. <laughs> that you are. Oh, it's, it's the whole shebang, isn't it? I think when you get into everything, you, you really get sucked in, so it's the whole package of doing the terrain and the the fluff side of it and, and the models as well.
1: Yeah, that, Necromander does have that as a, a particular trait.
3: I never thought I'd, be one of those guys that writes his own law or fluff. <laughs> I always, I always found fan fiction a bit. Uh, I don't like to say cringy because it's it's it sounds like. Reductive of other people's hobbies, and I don't think that's cool. You know what I mean? Whatever floats your board
1: Well, sometimes you have to write your own law because you want to, and sometimes you have to do it because they can't get it right in the rule books Oh, (laughs) Oh, score! Shots fired. (laughs) Hey, and the Games Workshop, stop listening. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
2: yeah, because they'll definitely
3: be on. They'll be they'll be listening right now. Going, what's
1: this all about? Yeah, what these guys got to say? (laughs) We can dream. (laughs) (laughs) No,
3: I am. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just as I'm making the little guys and I'm sticking this head on or that arm on or sculpting something or whatever, it just starts to come alive. And I know that sounds really lame, but they (laughs) they really do have little lives of their own for me, you know, and and they have histories and backstories.
5: I'm Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, Universe Protection Unit.
3: And then I get to throw them on the table and create like their. The life living out in real time, and it's really cool. And then you make a
1: podcast, and you actually get to voice those characters as well. Yeah, really badly, but with. uh... (laughs) plum. <laughs> oh no don't don't sell the podcast like that mate i think we've actually done a really good job with it i've, I've had a whale of a time doing all this uh <laughs> in character work that will be coming up and we should never refer to this as in character again throughout the rest of this podcast ever <laughs> because it will be real to us it will be real that's um, it yeah oh uh, but yeah chris uh chris that uh was there anything else you wanted to chuck on there
3: no man that's uh that's me in a nutshell, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I want to get into the cool. good stuff about Necromunda, but uh, obviously
1: you guys go ahead. Yeah, Craig, crack on.
4: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so my name's Craig. Um, I'm known in some circles as Kablams on the internet. Um, I have a YouTube channel, but essentially, I got into Necromunda back in the '90s. The first time there was Necromunda, there was Gorkamorka, and it was almost a golden age of, of uh, skirmish games at GW. It's absolutely brilliant. And those two games made a massive impact on me as a person and I've been thinking about them ever since, even sort of, it must have been in the back of my mind for a long time, even after I stopped the hobby and found girls and booze and went off to university and whatnot. When I came back to the hobby uh, in my, I wanna say mid twenties, maybe, maybe late twenties, um, one of the games that I gravitated towards was Necromunda. And of course at the time, I mean, this was about 10 years ago now, there was, it wasn't to be seen. It was nowhere. But I was still trying to make terrain for it. If you watch some of the earliest videos on my on my channel, there's videos of me making this random terrain for Necromunda. In fact, I think it was one of the. It was actually the first video on there. It was really bad stuff compared to what I do now. But uh, that's that's the impact that those two games had on me. Um, less so, less so much Gorkamorka because Gorkamorka I find is quite a two D. Concept, as it, it were. It's got is less it like depth. like
1: racing cars around with orcs?
4: Yeah, so you basically just got the the charm of the orcs involved. Whereas Necromunda, you've got so much more going on. Um,
1: Especially now.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, so the new game came out, and it was released with half the rules, and that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. But then, eventually, after, what was it, a year and a half, they came out with the big, bo- big books, uh, which had all the rules in them, and I jumped in at that point, and I've been up to my knees in uh, in Necromunda ever since. <laughs>
1: and that's essentially it, really. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. I've got a question, though, because you said about, you know, you had this thing with uh, sort of Games Workshop, where and I think this might apply to all of us. Were you one of those people where you would walk past a Games Workshop, and you hadn't played it for years, but you'd still slow down as you walk <laughs> past the window to have a look at the models and sort of thinking, oh. Oh, they're still going then. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> that kind yeah. of looks cool. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same for you as well, Chris. I,
3: I lived in Nottingham for twelve years, um, <laughs> before I moved back up north about coming up ten years ago. Um and I worked in a restaurant where we'd have the the Games Workshop team like the all come in for meals. Um and I basically watched them go over that cusp where they became um like mega mega big um so i'd pop into the store just because their name kept being brought up like if they booked a meal in the restaurant um and and the shop was on the way to my bus to go home or the way to work uh when i got off the bus so occasionally i'd just pop in yeah um and I guess I never had an excuse to actually buy anything, you know, because I knew that if I wanted to paint, I'd have to buy all of the paints and all of the yeah. brushes, and, you know, I'd have nowhere to use them. I didn't really socialize with anyone who did that. But, uh, yeah, it kept drawing me in like a little Aladdin's so cave. You never really I mean, kind of yeah. fully that's left That's how Necromunda the hobby, got me in the first place when I was a kid. It was I walked in, and I just couldn't believe that they had these structures these towers that you could look around and get inside and and yeah i mean
1: it was a big selling point for it oh, i mean that's kind absolutely. of what drew me towards it
3: it was like um you know when you used to watch adverts as a kid for toys yeah. and they'd, they'd have like mountain ranges and cityscapes and <laughs> like oh my god yeah. that looks amazing and then you'd get it home <laughs> it's and just, just be on your grand's <laughs> floral carpet yeah, it'd be like, <laughs> He-Man doesn't live here. You know what I mean? Thundercats, <laughs> the Thundercats don't work on a sofa. You know what I mean? They've got a castle. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it, it provided all of that, so it was kind of like it reverts you back to that childhood state of make believe and playing. And it's so easy to to let it envelop you and to be drawn into it and to believe what you're doing. Oh, Whereas, absolutely! Yeah, playing on a carpet or you know what I mean, just a a really badly painted bit of cardboard never really did it for me. I I, I always found yeah. that was the that was the bit that made me turn off. I think because um, mm. my mates were really into 40k. I had a couple of mates who were really into it, and they had like Space Wolves armies and and Blood Angels armies and everything, and they looked awesome. But then I went to play with them one time, uh, like play a game. And they just had it on the carpet, and they had like books with bits of cloth covering it and stuff to make hills and things. Yeah. And I just thought, I can't, I can't suspend my disbelief enough, you know, to know that we're teenagers yeah. sat in somebody's living room <laughs> with a bunch of half-painted models. On, you know, it it, it didn't recapture that magic for me. So yeah. when they announced the re-release, like eventually, all those years later, I just instantly went back to being a teenager again, and it was just like, no, nah, this. And and initially, I was like, well, if I get it it'll give me an excuse to spend a bit more time with my older brother a kind of a bit of a nostalgia trip but also you know what i mean i'm in my late 30s now i don't just want to go out and get hammered every time i want to go and see my brother but you kind of almost want an excuse to see people do you know what i mean to justify getting yeah. away from the family and
1: weirdly as you get older it does seem that you have to find excuses to go and see people yeah <laughs> it's, it's one of those bizarre things I think we all imagine, that <laughs> as we're getting older, it's a case of, oh, no, I'm really, really busy all the time. And it's like, well, if you actually step back and looked at it for a second, you could make more time for things, but we don't. So, <laughs> yeah, it's as good as an excuse as any to go out and get involved with other people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But um, as a sort of a segue <laughs> into it, I think we're going to cover about me as well. It's like, yeah, it's the same thing for me. What drew me to the game was that I, in high school, I had a couple of friends that were getting into forty K and I'd started buying little bits here and there to sort of join in and and not feel left out, a couple of space marines. And it wasn't anything in particular that I'd built. It wasn't like a proper army, it was just odds and sods. Yeah. But then they started getting into Necromunda, and that was where it took off because I wasn't following someone else's thing anymore. It was it was my thing. I really liked Necromunda and the buildings that you got with it was a big draw because otherwise as you've said you was playing on the kitchen floor (laughs) and you was fighting around tins of beans and stuff like that so you actually had buildings for necromunda um the other things that drew me to it as well is it was a lot cheaper than 40k you didn't have to have a full army you just bought one box of a gang and that was it you was pretty much sorted um the rest of it that you got out of the box you could either use when you was around your mates anyway like the buildings and all the rule books and stuff or you know if you wanted to fork out for it, it wasn't too expensive at the time but I think I really was attracted to the whole sort of grim, dark future aspect of it. This kind of almost post-apocalyptic thing, as I think a lot of people would call it these days. Yeah. Um, but what I learned at the time is what it, it's actually what I would refer to as being closer to cyberpunk. Um, and that was the thing. That's a big thing for me, a real big draw. And no matter what form of media it's in, I love cyberpunk. Because yeah. um, it was around my sort of teenage years, probably when I started playing Necromunda, actually, that I started getting into all the manga videotapes that were <laughs> being released. So things like Ghost in the Shell, Kira, Appleseed, Genocide, all that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but this is the thing with Necromunda. I don't know how, and I don't know why, but I just got rid of it all at some point. I don't know if it was me that sold it or my parents, because that could have been just as likely, to be fair. Um, but it just disappeared. And this is the thing, yeah. years and years later, as I've said, I was one of those people that would look at Games Workshop when you went by and see what was going on. Um, but years and years later, I started talking to people that were still into the hobby. And I was going, oh, yeah, there's this one that I really like, Necromunda. And I, like, I really enjoyed playing that. And they're like, you know, there are still people playing it, right? I'm like, really? And then, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole online community for it and everything. So I thought to myself, you know what? And this is around sort of the end of 2016. I'm going to buy another copy of it. I'm going to save up the money for it and I'm going to buy it. And then someone said to me, you, you know what? I've heard rumors that they might actually be redoing it. So I just held off a little bit longer, and then yeah, sure enough, 2017 rolled around, and they were re-releasing it, and that was great. And so it was like I'd already started saving up my Necrofunder, as I called it, hey. um, to yeah, to, uh, to make sure I had the money for it. And I just said to myself, and this is a promise that I've been pretty much true to it since, that I'm going to buy all of it, and I'm not going to sell it ever again. And other than a couple of Forge World products uh, and like the, the odd extra thing here like the, the extra bases for them and things like that i've been true to my word i've bought pretty much everything that they've put out so far you're a brave so man so it's <laughs> yeah a, and a brave broke man definitely. yeah and a broke man <laughs> um especially with the, re- the release of the new box that came out but my god do you get a lot of stuff in that yummy up- yummy yummy, yummy
3: yummy yummy that is yeah. a good but kit. we'll talk about <laughs> that more later good. on but yes. yeah
1: so we i also said for this uh about us section that we're sort of generally cover a couple of you know questions to fathom out what we're about as well so uh i'll throw these out if you don't mind guys sure yeah go for it yeah cool so uh
3: what's your favorite part of the hobby chris oh god um it, it kind of combines a few different sections um it's like you said the law the setting i love the setting absolutely adore it i think it's just got so much potential there's so much already there but yeah. it's what isn't written and what isn't known. And the fact that all of the sources of law are deemed as unreliable. So yeah. really you can play around with it as much as you want, you know, which then fed into the terrain building for me, which allowed me like express myself in how I saw the hive or what I would kind of throw together. But then when I started converting and kit bashing, I just thought, oh wow, this is because um, I got the two guys, the two gangs out the main box set. So Goliath and Esher, glued them up how they came out the box. Yeah. Sent them to my brother to paint because it didn't have any. I had like a few paints, but not much. So uh, got him to do that while I carried on with terrain, so we could have a three D board to play on. He did a decent job. I mean, it's just a quick little tabletop standard, um, and we both got all locks because we were both attracted to those models. Um, I built mine pretty much out of the box as they come like I, I I mixed a couple of weapons up or whatever um and he had a few little bits of bob so I like, got an extra grenade launcher and a couple of bits but very minimal amount of conversion you know just to kind of make a competitive list really like so yeah. that I could have a bit of difference in what what came out the standard box yeah. but then I went to my brother's house every model was different there wasn't one that looked like like a factory model he, ah, if I it was just the slightest thing or the most elaborate like trench coat he'd put on and I just thought Jesus he's, he's <laughs> this is unique there's nobody else got this and he had these crazy names for them and stuff and it kind of just it, it jogged that part of me that I remember as a kid going that's why I love the game it's that each individual means something it's not like with a with a, um, like a big army 2000 point army or more where you know yeah they're beautiful, and the law behind them is incredible. But essentially, you play on a spreadsheet. It's it's statistics and maths. Whereas yeah. you get real, real consequences and drama, and 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 individual kind of development of each character. You know, yeah. I've named that person that I've given them this. They've ended up with this injury, so that means I've got to counter it with this, and that's their story. And and they've got a grudge against them because they put them yeah. out at that point. So. Yeah, I'm gonna waffle on if I don't stop. I like a lot about the game. Um, yeah. So, in
1: a word, Chris, what's your favourite part of the hobby? <laughs> yeah,
3: um, all of it. You could, you could say everything. Uh, yeah, kid, yeah. it's got to be kid
1: bashing. So converting and kid yeah. bashing. Yeah. 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 Craig, I'm gonna throw the same question at you.
4: Um, for me, it's it's got to be building the underhive. To be honest, um, I've always one of the things that struck me about the original game was the pictures that you used to see of the underhive and the whole idea that it was this really sort of futuristic, grungy, um industrial zone where everything was just knackered and rusted and an absolute mess. And that's always sort of stuck in my mind as, as something that's really cool to make. Um and so yeah, for me it's it's making the terrain to be honest. I think that above as loads of things I enjoy Uh, like the campaign systems and and developing your gangs. But for me, it's actually making the the Underhive itself, I'd say.
1: I think that, obviously, as as my answer here as well, we are all very much on the same level because currently I would say my favourite part of the hobby is the converting aspect as well. Uh, It's funny because obviously I hadn't done any modelling for many, many years. And Mm. I came to this and it's like, I know what I need to do with Necromunda because I remember it from back in the day. I need to start chopping these things up (laughs) so that they've actually got WYSIWYG weapons. Yeah. Um, And I didn't have any extra bits, but you should see the bits box that I've managed to acquire (laughs) over the space of two years. Part of it is due to friends being incredibly generous and letting me have a rummage through their bits box or just donating me. Odds and sods, and other parts of it is eBay and then bit sites as well. But I've got so much stuff now, and it's yeah. great having that situation because you can just go, You know what? I think this model would look cool with an, you know, a plasma gun on it instead of the one that it's got, and you can just have a rummage around. And uh, you know, about 20 minutes later, you've got something that you look at and you go, You know what? That is so much cooler than it was to begin with and it was already pretty cool to begin with and and you've personalized it for how you do your gang and that's what i love seeing online it's like you type in necromunda on instagram and the amount of work that people put into their models on there i think that's why it's actually worth having our little section about hot in the hive because there's just so much cool shit out there that people need to see because it's like look at the work that someone's done on this and the same can definitely be said for you two guys. Uh, say, Craig, with your, your terrain, especially with your modelling method that's pretty much been named after you now, <laughs> the, the the Dolan way. And then Chris, of course, with like all of I mean, I seem to recall the very first thing that I saw popping up in all the groups that you'd done was the uh, Vansar Ragnarig and the amount of effort that you was putting into making that as well. So, yeah, it, it, it just rings true for us as well as everybody else in the hobby that converting is is a massive part of it. Oh, yeah. I'd say pro- probably directly after that, it's arbitrating, you know, creating your own law again, mm. Short followed by playing it. Sorting the podcast out is kind of cool as well at the moment. Although, <laughs> give me a few months and that might be a different <laughs> story. And I've got cool. to say, right at the bottom, though, is painting for me. Oh, um, yeah. Because... I mean, I make the mistake of like probably doing it one model at a time. I've tried doing it in batches, but it just doesn't seem to be as progressive. Uh, I don't get as much done as I'd like, and I don't see results quick enough. So I end up doing it one at a time, but it just feels like it takes forever doing it that way. Yeah,
3: I can't find a system that works best for me, because, yeah, I've tried model at a time, and then the problem is that I'll get to a point and I'll look at the first model, and I'll be like... I can't be bothered to get the rest of them to that standard. So then unless I can kind of develop a quick and easy way to get, yeah. Or or then I've tried batch painting. And then it's like, if I see the color gray for one more night this week, I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm going to (laughs) scream. Yeah. So this is
1: the thing, isn't it? Of course, but since we've started playing Necromunda, they brought out the contrast paints and I thought that is a brilliant idea. And I tested it on a model down at my local game shop and it was great i loved it i thought this this is like the way of the future this is <laughs> like <laughs> garlic bread but you know it's 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 really good um and i've been spending hundreds of pounds on getting the paints to do it Bloody the hard yeah. way and it's like oh if only they'd have had this when i started painting <laughs> it it made things so much easier but the the problem with painting, for me at least as well, is it's not just the painting process. It's the do I build my models completely? Do I stick them onto the base? Do I do I magnetise them and then do the arms separately? Do I do it when I'm on when they're on the sprue? <laughs> you know, I've heard some people do that, and I'm like, well, what do you madness. do? Madness. Clip it off, and you've then got the little gaps where there's no paint. Do you have to like <laughs> do all of that again? Utter madness. So, you know, yeah, but. I think we've covered that one. Right, let's whiz through the rest of these questions. So, what's your favourite conversion that you've done, uh, Chris? Uh,
3: oh, my Frank Stone uh, Strix, the Vansar Bounty Hunter. All right. Uh, I, I do love my Arachna rig, um, that was the first one I'd ever done. Um, and I look back now and I think, well, you went from only ever gluing the kits together and maybe chopping a hand off to put a different weapon ahead on to creating something that there isn't even an image for. Um, and I was really proud of it, and I'm in fact that I'm working on the second version of it now because it's got two modes for like the on all six legs and then on two legs, like as a bipedal kind of mech nice. thing. So sort of um, mech suit, yeah. Which uh, I'll be sharing some pictures of as soon as I, I get a little bit further on with it. Um, but no, my Frank Strix. I saw the illustration and I thought, well, it, it's different this time because I've got to try and capture the the heart of the guy you know what I mean so I, I yeah. had a look at his law, figured out exactly what his skills were and thought well how do I try and represent that and I love the original image because it's it, it's a really menacing like he's atop a tower um, he's almost oh
1: yeah as. that he's doing the I'm Batman the, exactly I'm he is sure Batman in the hive much, yes. yeah
3: Oh man, I'll I'll send have you. not you seen it later. it's in one
1: of the rule books, but we'll to find a picture for it and pull he's it up like, in a bit, he's, but...
3: he's on top of a, a the corner of a building, like, like looks like a gargoyle. You know, like you get those oh, uh, right. old Jim Lee drawings of Batman in like yeah. black and white with the rain coming down. It's very similar to that. But the artist has the um, the benefit of making the viewer see it from a specific point. So I originally, when I first started to to try and build it, I wanted him to have that pose. But what happens is that he's only menacing if you're three millimeters tall and looking up at him from his base because <laughs> all of the actions kind of crouch down and looking down towards the 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 viewer of the painting um, right. the, of the actual illustration. You can't force that in a mini. You've got to adjust for it, do you know what I mean? Unless yeah. I actually stuck him permanently to something that would be at eye level or higher, which kind of makes him a useless <clears throat> model, and I want it to be a playable piece um yeah really challenging really challenging finding all the parts to make them really challenging getting the those kits kind of cut up into the right places getting the green stuff in the right place you know trying to still make them look like he's he's a human underneath it all obviously with cybernetic legs and wings but no i i love him
1: i've got to ask chris yeah what have you actually painted him yet
3: no i've i've got him primed and then I watched a video by Darren Latham. I was looking for ages for a scheme and he did a black power armor video. Um, Ooh. the games workshop, uh, one so he of the...
1: is going full Batman then.
3: Um, well definitely darker. And then I was going to have some like, uh, glowing on his uh, vents on his back where like he's, he's grab shoot kind of effect. Oh yeah. nice. And his eyes. And I was going to keep it very dark. Um, and but because it's it's a technique that I'm not 100% comfortable with a lot of wet um glazing uh which I can do but it's so time consuming and mm. i thought well if i make a mistake i can strip it and i think well if i strip it bits are going to come off that and i'm going to have to yeah. rebuild it and then this um I'll, I'll i'll mention his name later but there's a guy done a paint scheme on some vansar recently that i've seen on one of the facebook groups and it's it's just dry brushing he reckons. I reckon there's a little bit of line work <laughs> in there as well, when I when I look at it close up. Um so I think he's gone back in and touched some bits up. But I'll drop his name later and I, I really recommend you guys go and say I don't know if you've seen it yet, but um when we come back to the hut in the hive I'll that's one of my guys cool. and I think I'm gonna use that because it's really minimal. And minimalistic, but you can get some quite striking colouring, and, and it's really dramatic. So I think that's the way I'm going to go, unless you know something else jumps out at me in the meantime.
1: Awesome, yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's me. In which case, then Craig, what about you? What's your favourite conversion that you've done?
4: Um, so I'm torn between two, to be honest. Um, so I've basically converted almost all of my models, whether it be, um, making it so that I can get the weapon choices I I need. Um, I basically love the cordor Um, completely escaping me the pole arms and so I've tried to stick as many in as possible and getting those pole arms in is quite difficult when they're not supposed to go on that model Um, and it's led to all sorts of strange conversions I had to do but anyway so there's two that I'm I'm not sure about there's one where I've made a drunk corridor guy who's my leader and he's leaning up against a pole he's leaning up against like a a bollard he's awesome he does look very cool he's got a crate full of beer at his foot that his foot's up on and um, he's got a bottle in his other hand and his head's down. And the, the leader model is brilliant for that, because I've always found the leader model for the corridor is like leaning forwards, and all you gotta do is, and his one arm's in the air, just put an arm on that, a uh, hand on that arm which is up in the air, and he's leaning against something. It's a fantastic sculpt for just having a model leaning against things. Now the other one is one that I've done recently, and essentially I took a Tempestus Scion uh, Prime cloak, or coat, sorry, uh, it's basically like a, a really like lavish, um padded military cloak uh, coat and stuck it on my um Orlok leader.
1: Oh uh, yeah, you only did that one recently. I'm looking yeah, the pictures.
4: I think it's come out yeah, it really nice. Badass. Yeah, it really <laughs> has.
1: It sort of really makes him
4: stand out as being the as being the leader. Um and It looks like a pompous tool in the best possible <laughs> word. Oh yeah. He, yeah. He definitely he definitely, well. uh, he definitely <laughs> pictures himself uh, an Astra Militarum or or guard sergeant, but of course He's not. He's absolute scum. Um, <laughs> but I think I think I am going to go with the, the fella in the cloak, to be honest, because it's got such a narrative to it. The other one um, is just a guy who's drunk, leaning against a post. Whereas this guy, he's got <laughs> some proper. But it's modeled so well. Yeah, yeah, well, this guy, he's got some proper like character about him. You can see that he's just an absolute a hole, wearing yeah. uh, wearing a stupid coat, and I just love that. So that I think I'm going to go with with that one. And again, we're going to put pictures up on. Uh, on the, is it the Facebook group where
1: most of this is going to go? Everywhere, mate. I don't Everywhere. know. I think you were sorting out an Instagram. <laughs> oh, yeah. We uh, need to as well, well, sort out so, Instagram. Uh, we, we can put them, put them up on the Instagram, put them up on the Facebook page, but yeah, wherever wherever we can. Right. What about you, Steve? Me? Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, it's like, well, uh, there's several that I've done that I'm really proud of. Uh, I think, you know, in reverse order, it's kind of like the handbot which people will have seen my sort of uh, riff off of Robocop with a... It's a really random thing. Um, And then there's the Murder Cyborg that I did, which was based on Arnie. So that's the only lock that I've actually built out of the box, just because I wanted to sort of Arnie up a a Murder Cyborg. The Cephalopod Spectre, um, because that was the first time that I made purely green stuff parts for something. Um, And I think... Though it's going to come down to my very first conversion project that I did. It's still my favourite, and I think it's because it's one of the most complex ones done, or at least as far as I'm concerned, the most complex one that I've done. And that's my Goliath Circa, Tiny Talk. So um, it's oh, like, the one who
3: looks like the psycho out of
4: um, yep. Borderlands. Ah, yes. That was
1: exactly what I was going for um, <laughs> when I made it. So uh, yeah, that, I, went, I went for that look. So that's the one I'm the proudest of. What's your favourite thing from the old version of the game that you hope that they're going to bring back?
4: This is a toughie, isn't
1: it? I mean, most of the stuff they brought because they've already done the enforcers. So <laughs> <laughs> my answer is straight out the gate is just going to be the Spire Gang. I oh, really yeah. hope they bring those back. I've I've
3: only seen it referenced on groups because I don't tend to watch the Twitch streams myself. Um, I tend to wait The info dumps get put put onto one of the pages and get my information that way, as they inevitably but do. I thought they said that they weren't going to do Spires.
1: Yeah, but that's why I'm really hoping that they're going to change their mind and bring it back, because they're looking like they're going to do everything else. I know there's a lot of outcry for the, what are they called, the the native ones? Ratskins. Ratskins, Ratskins, yeah. yeah. Everybody wants the Ratskins.
3: Some people have made some awesome conversions from a few different uh, models. Um, The Corvus Cabal, like, without in my court, or um, there was another, I think it was a girl, actually, I can't remember. Yeah, I need to look that one up for the next episode. But um, they've done um, like a rat skin based Corvus Cabal gang, and that worked cool. really, really well. But uh, that's another one I, I think they're going to struggle to bring that back. And I don't think it's a lack of desire on JW's part. I think it's like with the headsman. Uh, I won't get into the uh, controversy over that because it's not my place to say what you should and shouldn't be allowed to do. But obviously, it offended certain people. They voiced an opinion. They were vo- quite vocal about that, and that meant for a total resculpt of a guy's head, like a miniature's head. And they did that, and they released the model. And I don't think it suffered for it, but it does make me consider the potential backlash. Backlash, get the <laughs> word right, um, for something as kind of on the nose as basically Native American analogs, which is what oh, they yeah. are, you know. Yeah so I'd, I'd, I don't know how uh, or if they can actually do that now mm. which would be a shame a But um, yeah. Spirers I think it's just purely on account of the fact that they're too OP was what I'd heard or what I'd read sorry because I didn't hear it I'd, well I'd uh, let's
1: see how they get on with the uh, Corpse Grinder cult because we're getting a <laughs> yeah. lot of reports going that they might be a little bit OP and then of course we had Chaos which are a little OP so it's like how much more OP do you want to get <laughs> oh, with No,
3: Chaos isn't that OP Chaos has got one trick
1: really mate you've not played the guy that i know (laughs) oh right right yeah you're going to get your min
3: maxes
1: (laughs) he can take chaos and he can whip your ass with them permanently that doesn't
3: take a lot with me my vansar dice are loaded to ones i think so (laughs) anyone can beat me
1: yeah i've got the same problem with my vansar dice which is why i don't use them (laughs) it's like i'm hitting on a
4: two plus but i'll never get a two tell you what one thing i'd like to see come back and i think it harks back to playing necromunda and that is the dust wastes Ooh. And just having vehicles.
1: Yeah, that's actually a good point because when um the image for I don't know if you'll call it the house for Corpse Grinder Cult got released, you know, the, the little head symbol. Yeah. People were going, Oh, I wonder if that's the wasteland uh sort of tribes. Because the scovvies. When yeah, when and, they yeah. had the pictures from the sort of like slideshow at one of the expos. They were all very kind of pointy and you know jagged kind of thorn like edges on them and things like that and it looked very similar to the what is now the corpse grinder cult logo. Yeah. So people thought it might be that. So that would actually be kind of cool. But then again, they've said that they are going to expand out in the universe, which is re- really mm. nice to hear. Things yeah. Like with the uh, the eye of Celine and stuff like that.
4: I mean, when Orlocks were released, there was such a lot of their fluff was talking about them being uh, using the harpoons on the top of vehicles whooshing across the um, the ash wastes, uh, using the the harpoons to take over the people's vehicles and protect their mining produce as it made its way between the hives. Yeah, they basically described any Mad Max movie, didn't they? Yeah, when yeah. They, when they were talking that, about that, yeah. That, I think, in, it, it it gets into a lot of people's psyches, especially because of Mad Max, and that's why Mad Max does so well when they release those films, um, is that it's sort of ingrained in all of us, I think, this idea of the wastelands and a, and a vehicle and uh, and fast moving just carnage and yeah i think i think they're primed to do it they just need to decide how they're going to do it i mean you could even use the orc vehicles that were released for that that game recently you know the, the board game thing they Speed released freaks that's the one yeah they literally <coughs> take take those add in the gene yeah, steel vehicles, a few vehicles they've made yeah yeah perfect exactly
1: all right, okay, cool. Well, in which case then, we've got two more questions, so we we'll are crack on with these nice and quick. So um, what is your favourite thing that they've produced from N17 onwards?
4: Ooh, alternative activations. I think Oh, that made... is pretty
3: special. That really yeah. has changed the game and made it good, so you're not just sitting there getting your ass thrashed until somebody goes, right, you are go, and you've got <laughs> nothing you can do.
4: Exactly. Yeah, it has definitely. made it
1: feel a bit more like chess. It adds
4: a lot of more yeah. tactics to it as well. You mm. really think about the order that you activate your guys in, and and the, also the guys that you're attacking as well, because it's, it's almost pointless attacking a guy that's already gone because he's not going to hurt you for another turn. Whereas if someone's about to shoot at you, you can knock them down or they're about to charge at you, you can knock them down and stop them getting at you. So it just adds a lot more tactics, I think.
1: That's fair. Um, Chris, what about you? Any All one right, particular um, thing?
3: Okay, so yeah, for me, um, and it's probably going to be really uh, controversial with a lot of people, but I really like the fact that it's done in like a DLC format. I like the fact that I've got something to look forward to every three months. It's not ridiculously expensive every three months. Uh, Dark Uprising uh, <laughs> accepted from I that, that say? statement. <laughs> but, but no, the fact that, you know, I, I can get... I don't mind that it comes with a new book. I, I do prefer it now, the way they've got the two, like, dominant hard covers. And then you get if you want to add the extras, you can. You don't need mm. those, you know what I mean? You can run a very good game of necromunda a good campaign of necromunda from those two basic books yeah um if you want the extras great if you don't it doesn't matter but i like the fact there's something to look forward to every quarter that that works for me it's manageable financially it's manageable in a way that i you know i mean I, i'm not just sitting on top of loads of stuff it doesn't swamp me with information i enjoy that so yeah that for me obviously outside of the models and stuff like that which are just fantastic especially you know when you're talking about the original ones that we all fell in love with and then kind of what they can do now is just incredible but no for me it's the the release the support and the release schedules
1: yeah no that is a good answer actually yeah um well for me um you kind of very lightly touched upon it right at the end there it's the addition of all the persona dramatis All of those extra characters that they've put into it, I mean, with the exception of the floating testicle, I think all of the (laughs) ones that they've put out are absolutely amazing. And I'm really, really hoping that they're going to do some more from the ones that they've put into the books. So the the guild reps uh, and things like that, that they've not made the models of. And there's one in particular, it's the female uh, sort of uphiver, I can't remember which uh guild she's associated with, but the picture in the book looks <coughs> absolutely gorgeous. And it's like that Ooh. as a model's going to look great in the underhive. Yeah. And it actually inspired me a little bit with one of our characters who you might be meeting in one of the upcoming episodes. So, um but yeah, for me it's the it's the the, the sheer range of all the extra models that they're bringing out for it now. Uh very last then. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh what's your favorite gang?
4: Do you want a one-word answer or <laughs>
1: If you can, that would be great. <laughs> but if it needs a little bit more explanation than that, then I'm I'm happy with that as well.
4: Okay, I guess I'll go first. Um, I was gonna say, if you'd have asked me a couple of weeks ago, it would have been Cordor, but now I'm thinking Orlocks. I've I've fallen hard. Is it true love? Is it real love? <laughs> it's uh, it's something. That's for Chris, sure. what about you? Oh
3: man, I hate being put on the spot. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with my my original uh, love, and that's Escher. I just love the the style of them. Uh, I'm not going to go any further into that because I'll be working on my Escher soon and I'll (laughs) bore you all to death for
1: that Yeah, It's alright, we we can dedicate an entire podcast to that one Um, but yeah, so originally I would have said Escher as well because when the new version in N17 sort of came out Uh, I went and bought an additional three boxes of Escher. Blimey. Uh, (laughs) Because I thought, oh, I'm going to love playing as them. Uh, (laughs) Then it didn't really happen. I mean, I I, I liked playing them, but that was when the rules for Toxin and things like that were like massively OP. And it's like, yeah, I'm loving playing as these (laughs) girls. But uh, then they changed it. And then I started experimenting with some of the other gangs that came out. um, And I've just not really played Escher that much since then. I mean, I've literally played... All gangs, I think, apart from Orlock so far. And obviously yeah. with the exception of the, the uh, Corpse Grinder cult because the box set only turned up earlier on today for me. <laughs> um, but I think now my, my answer is simply that I don't have a particular favourite right now. Oh, I, you I,
3: dirty, I... dirty <laughs> man. I if know, I'd have known right? that was an option, <laughs> sit on the fence was an option, I'd have picked that. I've, I've only used um, Goliath, Escher, Orlock, Van Saar. So I can't really i'm not i'm not drawn to De lack i think they look amazing but the are actually them as... quite
1: fun to play as
3: hmm. I, I just think they rely so much on their tactics cards to get the benefit that only one of them <laughs> turn the lights <laughs> out. well yeah but that's that's predominantly their thing isn't it that's oh the
1: fact that you can get cheap uh, photo goggles yeah absolutely it's Yeah, but the, thing. the photo
3: goggles are no good unless you've got the card to switch off the lights it's like, unless yeah. that happens
4: as an in-game action, like through the bad zones or whatever. You've, you've got like the two environmental... scenarios as well. You've got the two scenarios where they uh, can use their... Out of how, how many
3: weapons. though, Craig? You know, you, you've got to be pretty lucky to roll those scenarios oh, if, think... um, if you're playing a campaign.
4: Two in Sector Mechanicus. Yeah. If, if you're only playing Sector Mechanicus, then it's like two out
1: of six. Like a third.
4: Yeah, I suppose. That's maths. Two
1: plus two is four.
4: Minus one, that's three. Quick maths.
1: But yeah, there's that. Wow. But I do like <laughs> the weapon access that they've got as well. It's like um, the, the is it flashette pistol. Yeah, flashe?t Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that that is really nice. Um, I that's re- <laughs> really fun to play with, especially dual wielding them. Um, maybe not so, quite as practical as having a, a different type of weapon as well, but fun nevertheless.
3: Looks cool. That's the main thing. And who doesn't love webbing right? people?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, the webbing is fun, but (laughs) it can get quite annoying for other people, so uh, we'll we'll, ignore that one for now. But, yeah, that's pretty much it for the About Us. Um, So what I did want to talk about for a bit is the actual podcast itself, because... We've actually gone for a very interesting approach to this one. I mean, it's not just a straightforward, we're going to talk about everything kind of podcast because we wanted to make it a little bit more interesting. And when I say we made it a little bit more interesting, <laughs> I think it was a bit of a fight to begin with, wasn't it? It was like, no, I want to do something normal. And then you've got <laughs> me going, no, this is this idea. And it was all off the, the basis. And I want to throw this out there now um the guy who actually helped come up with the name for this because i don't know if you will remember this from the chatting here, it was uh ed uh who oh, runs yeah. war game tournaments because i was sat in his workshop when we started talking about this idea and we started throwing names around for what we could call the podcast and he just said well why don't you call it some city radio And I was like, you know what? That's got a really nice ring to it. And we suggested it. And it's like, yeah, that's really cool. Everyone else agreed. And then the idea kind of started spiraling out from there. The man's a maverick. (laughs) By out, I mean out of control.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very much so.
1: What we're going to be doing this podcast is... Obviously, we've got these bits where we're talking about real world things, but we are just completely breaking like meta walls because we're going to be talking to fictional characters.
2: Okay, they're talking about fictional characters, fictional characters.
1: You know, it's 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 going to be fun. I think. I mean, I think we've we've borrowed a little bit of influence from Eye of Horus, but we've then just sort of taken it a step further. Oh home. yeah, because yes, we we do all listen to other Necromunda podcasts as well as making one now. Hmm. There's um. There's
4: world building involved, I think. There's, there's humour and there's world building. And I think both those things are really fun to do.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. it's. Um, I think that's part of the hobby that we like. And we're just taking it and running with it in the podcast as well. Mm. I think at the end of the day, probably the, the best thing that could come from doing this podcast is people start coming back to us and going, you know what, those characters that you made up in that, I've actually made a <laughs> model of that one. And he's now running in my gang. I think that would be awesome if we ended up with that kind of situation. You have but, high uh, hopes. I'm not... <laughs> high, yeah, high hopes. Let's just hope that it's well received in the first place. And then we're there there you are. Right. I mean, do you guys want to sort of throw in on this one?
3: If there's one other person listening to this on the entire planet, please make Steve a model of one of his <laughs> characters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if there isn't, I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> well, to be, to be fair, be
1: one of the characters that is coming up in a. Actually, it's in this podcast thinking about it. One of the characters that's coming up later on is based on a model that I made. So that that's the thing as well. I mean, I'm going to throw this out to the people that are listening to this. Let's talk to them. Um, if you guys have any ideas for little segments that we can throw in, because once you've listened to the whole podcast, you'll kind of get where we're going with this. And if you've got ideas for segments or characters, even if they're your own characters, but you think, you know what, this is really cool and you don't mind us taking a bit of uh, artistic license with them, mm. just tell us about them. Write in with it. You know, Put it on the Facebook page. Self-addressed envelope. That was it. it? Yeah, send send it in, and uh, you know we'll we'll see what we can do at this end of things because we're just having a blast making these things.
3: Yeah, Craig approached me and said, uh, and it was weird because I'd I'd been pestering Craig on and off for a while. Um, I'd I'd, and initially (laughs) contacted him about helping me set up a YouTube channel for my hobbying. Um, and then I, it it just didn't happen. Like life gets in the way. Whatever. Um and we'd been chatting a little bit about stuff uh, via the groups, um and he contacted me and said that he was thinking of doing a podcast and I said well if you're looking for people to be involved I'd love to and then it was like oh well kind of that's what I was
4: hinting at um <laughs> wink wink and he was Not like I've been
3: <laughs> I've been talking to another guy which was you there weren't like six other applicants before we came to you Steve it was it was always going to be what? you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I was told I was first choice. <laughs>
3: oh no he'd, he'd spoken he'd already he'd already spoken to you. He'd already spoken to you about it before he approached me, to be fair. So, yeah, oh, right. the, yeah, you <laughs> were first. Don't worry, you're the special boy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but then it was like, well, what do we do? How do we do it? Because, yeah, there are, there's only a couple of Nick Necromunda podcasts. And shout out to Gang Bang and um, Chronicles, which we've both, like, all three of us have oh, enjoyed yeah. listening to and, and following oh, yeah, along absolutely. with. Um, and we thought, well, how do we make it? different and, and interesting for us to come back to every month mm. or however long the intervals are going to be probably every month um <laughs> and uh we really love the adverts from Gang Bang, um but we thought well, that's just copy and paste if we do that and then that basically the name kind of suggested it. oh it? So why don't we do it as a radio show um, and we can have like sections that you get in in radio so news uh travel weather you know all of that kind of stuff that you can get on a radio show tie it in but it'll pull in it'll sync the podcast into the world of Necromunda, so obviously yeah. everything we're referencing is law specific so anybody else dropping in and kind of thinking oh what's this random podcast is going to not have a clue what's going on but the fans <laughs> hopefully they'll get a little giggle out of it and if they don't it doesn't matter because the three of us will you know what I mean how much fun have we had <laughs> yeah. over the past couple of months just recording oh, God, these yeah. daft things
1: you know well, I'm actually <laughs> really looking forward to introducing the listeners to the characters that we've got coming up later on mm. Um, it's like, it's like post-apocalyptic archers it's going to be for like part of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah Arches pretty much the... that's it but oh, yeah you know tell nuts. you what we're going to hit the end of this segment in a minute and it's going to feel really weird handing over <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just wanted to go back um, and talk about sort of why the podcast full stop and essentially what we were thinking is that you've got all these groups on Facebook you've got people that are passionate about every part of Necromunda there's like people who've been playing it regardless of whether there's a version out. Um, And I, I, I listen to podcasts on video games and there's literally nobody playing those video games, except for maybe a hundred sort of diehard people. Um, And there's podcasts and all sorts for it. And it was just astonishing to find that there was only two podcasts and one of them sort of releases a podcast every three or four months um there was just there was just no content to listen to for for such a game that people were absolutely mental about um and so yeah it just seemed right to to come up with well, one. i absolutely agree um and until you guys pointed me in the direction of um
3: gangbang i was only listening to um, the Chronicles guys, Chronicles, so that's yeah. a couple of hours every month, and it's nice to listen to while you're painting, or, or building oh, yeah. something, or you're out walking the dog or whatever, I love podcasts, I listen to loads of different podcasts, but hobby specific ones, that was the only one and yeah, it it, it makes sense it, it's nice, you know what I mean, you can't have too many because You know, unless we were putting out 100 hours a week, which we aren't, that's never going to happen. Um, Well,
1: you're not, but you're not having to edit all the sound up, mate.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I might be talking, Uh, but nobody will be recording. (laughs) uh, Speaking of (laughs) which, if anyone wants to set up another podcast... Go for it, because we'll all listen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. we're trying I, to I say.
1: Listen to as many Necromunda podcasts as people want to make. Oh yeah, and that that sort of arcs back to what we've just said about Chronicles. They are really nice guys. I've spoken to Tony in person and Tom online a lot, and they've. They're, they're aware that we're making this. They've spoken to us and they've been really supportive about it. And I'm oh, actually yeah. really looking forward to sort of working alongside those guys. You know, even to the point of like getting like guest spots of with them, you know, popping onto our podcast or whatever. You know, I think it'd just be really nice to, to have that involvement. And the, the, this is it. Podcasts don't have to be competitive. It's not like Pepsi and Coke. It's like you're, you're putting your money into one of those products. So you've got to pick which it is. It's all free. So, mm. you know, why not listen to all of it?
3: Hang on, wait, this
4: is free? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <no. laughs> wait, I'm off. See you later. <laughs> right then, Steve. Right, Just there we now. go. That, that's 100% <laughs> of the uh, voice
1: work loaded back onto me again. <laughs> 100% me. All right, this could be great. Steve, oh, anyway, so any, anything else we want to chuck onto this before we uh, draw this one to a close, guys? Nope. Uh, no, um, I'm good, good. thanks. No, nope, real good. Right, in which case then, game face on. Okay, so now all of that craziness is out of the way, we're going to go over to our news team member, Scrofulous Pyle, for a breaking news report. Thanks, Steve. It appears unusual
5: structures have sprung up throughout the Hive. These anomalies have been discovered by inhabitants across all sectors, specifically in areas of Zone Mortalis architecture. The architecture, which is ubiquitous throughout the Glorious Empire and millennia old in some cases, seems to have been vandalised by an unknown culprit or organisation bearing the moniker GW, which has been stamped into each of these installations. These strange metal structures, which seem to be ramps or inclines with flat platforms at regular intervals, appear to offer a way up previously not available to the citizens of Necromunda. Tech priests are cross-referencing every template of ladders currently known to the Imperium, with no matches yet found. Initial studies suggest that the metal inconsistencies are probably for the ascension of people without the use of hands. In fact, some of the more reckless of the house-jews have already climbed these to access previously undiscovered floors. Tech priests advise against the traversing of these structures until the relevant ceremonies and blessings have been performed. More on this as the situation develops. I've been Scrofulous Pile for Sump City Radio. Now back to the studio.
2: You're listening to Sump City Radio. <laughs>
1: okay welcome back listeners and the next section that we're going to cover is our segment that's titled hot in the hive
2: hot in the hive (laughs) this segment is lit
1: So, Hot in the Hive is the part of the show where we talk about what new and shiny things we've spotted, uh, be that news related from posts, expos, leaks, community posts, online articles, blog posts, videos, all that kind of stuff. So basically anything that we've seen recently that we think is worth a mention. So um, we've got a little method that we decided that we were going to use for this, which is where we're all going to go away and find things throughout like the month since the, the last podcast, or in this case, that we've just found whilst we've been building it, and uh, just hold it back secretly, and then we were going to share it on the podcast at the time to sort of explain to each other what it is that we found that's really cool. So I don't know who wants to go first on this one, because I know that we've, we've made little lists on things. So... I don't know. Chris, did you want to uh, have a crack at this one first? What's your number one thing that you've spotted so far?
3: All right. Um I, this isn't in any order of wowness or amazingness, so please don't be insulted if you're not at the top of this list. I just scribbled <laughs> this down as I was finding stuff. Um so first off is Hobby Dad on Instagram. Um his, oh, uh, yeah. he's he's building a hive at the moment. He's doing some like terrain. But the grunge and the gunk and the slime and the rust and the decay he, he's he's managed to represent in miniature is just phenomenal. genuinely breathtaking. It looks like if you put your hand on it, you would you would get tetanus you know it's that it's that realistic. it's so good. I mean it yeah. It it's it's like a film set. It's really really impressive. So hobby dad that is um hobby dot dad on Instagram. Yeah, check him out. Fantastic work. Amazing. Definitely.
1: Greg, if you want to throw one in.
4: Um yeah. So basically, I just wanted to mention. <clears throat> excuse me. My voice is gonna be weird. Necromunda have updated their website. So we were all used Ooh. to the old format. That's completely changed now. And on there, they've got a new um how to play video with Becca Scott. Uh, who is the lady who does a lot of the tutorials for GW? Um, for any new players, it's a really good um, feature to have. I don't think it's on their YouTube, so you will have to go to Necromunda.com to get to it. Um, but it's using the the new Dark Uprising box set miniatures and uh, and scenery. And it's a really good resource, I think. Cool. I'd, I'd cool. seen they'd done it. I'd not, I've not actually checked it out yet. And then I've heard
3: some some of the people in the groups. Uh, slavering on about is it
1: becca
4: yeah becca's got yeah people go mad for her yeah um steven
1: have you got anything you'd like to throw in oh absolutely i've got about five things that i want to go through but well, i've I'm got i've got more
3: just... i just thought we were taking turns like a, a round. oh of yeah a... absolutely
1: yeah. yeah so but um i'm gonna throw in the, what i feel to me at least in the like the last month is the most impressive thing that I've seen. Uh, I'm just trying to pull up the picture so that I can show you guys as uh, the listeners are hearing this. Obviously we've put the pictures for all of this stuff into the uh, Facebook groups anyway. So yeah, the thing that I want to show you guys first off is it's a hab block that's been built by a guy who on Instagram goes by the name of Slave to the Whip or which is spelled W-I-P. Yeah. So oh yeah, I, he's on, on
0: my
3: list. He's on my list, David. Yeah, this, this guy,
1: <laughs> I think he's based in Australia and the sheer detail that he has on this piece of work is phenomenal. You, if you go and have a look at the pictures on Instagram, um, he's it's over the like, the last month or so that he's he's put them up for the hab block. And oh yes, the number of details on there, oh my lord, like you're talking about things like he's got um specific buildings within this hab block he's got a bazaar a cafe and he's got like an eating area posters yep. all over the place with loads of little references to things in particular there's like an ocp one from robocop which is really nice it's like <laughs> if i could send my handbot over to him and get a picture next to that poster that'd be great but i don't think i'll get the handbot back um <laughs> the rust the corrosion all the the, the grim the gribblies on it that's brilliant the light he's actually got leds in it as well yeah yeah power lines junction boxes toilets that are to scale bathtubs washing machines lounger chairs air conditioning units graffiti a barber's pole an actual barber's <coughs> area and a barber's chair porta potty uh, all kinds of stuff in it and I'm, I'm fairly certain that on the porta potty there's a reference to borderlands where it says <coughs> no fapping on the side of it um <laughs> And, you know, the list just keeps going on and on. God knows how much more there is that I've not even mentioned on it, but he's just put so much work into it. I actually asked him on Instagram, I said to him, how long have you spent on this? And he said, basically, it's the best part of two weeks solid to build it and nine days to paint it. And oh, right. just a brilliant job to that guy. So, yeah, if, you've, if you're have if you on Instagram, go and check the guy out. It's uh, slave to the whip, WYP. Uh, so yeah, that's my first one. I want to throw out there, guys. It's it certainly
3: awesome. captures that whole um, neon uh, cyberpunk aspect that you feel is is, is oh, part yeah. of
4: Necromunda as well. Yeah, it's just dripping with atmosphere. It's great. Oh yeah, it's it's a real cobbled together structure as well. The way that it sort of climbs as it gets taller, it gets a little bit more uh, looking like it's going to fall over. So yeah.
1: Yeah, it still piece. breaks down into three smaller sections as well, so you can oh, get really. your models in there if you want to play on it. It's great. That's very cool,
3: Chris. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, more terrain uh, this time. It's Sol Vince on Instagram. Oh yes. Uh my God, that uh, it's uh, uses terrain kits, but it's uh, I'm assuming it's a he. Sorry if you're a she. Um, they use uh lots of kits, but they it's massively cut up, chopped up, loads of styrene and um uh yes styrene tubing and sheeting and 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 chains it it yeah just pieces of art basically they really are i mean the the man hours that must go into creating the and he's doing them like in sections so that obviously you can have it all um modular but yeah. just just phenomenal levels of detail again with little toilets and and pipes that look like you go places and do things and yeah so slave to the whip is is uh, uh, sorry you said slave to the sol vince so s o l underscore vince v i n c e but yeah we'll link all this on the page anyway so people will be able to check them out definitely All right,
4: Craig now I feel bad um because my uh hot in the hive things are more along the site along the lines of uh resources I've seen online as opposed to people in the community but to be honest if I were to be choosing people in the community You guys have just hit the nail on the head um, so I feel less bad now, but my choice if you look in the chat is There's a regimental standard that was released oh, right, a little yeah. week a little while ago, and it's all is down the, uh... to the uprising yeah So yep. um, it's warning inhabitants of the hive about uh, what they can do if they feel unwell um, if they're getting any any odd um, compulsions, there's a little um, poster in there as well on the recall of the product, which is the uh, the food that they're putting out there. because of course uh, the Imperium deem it to be um, broken, that um, the product's bad if it's come from a uh, a hive that's fallen to uh, to chaos. Um, I just found it was it was really good sort of world building, and uh, really cool to, to to see. There's an awful lot of cool things that go on to uh, regimental standard that nobody sees there was one on there as well talking about how um instead of going to jail with the if you're caught by the enforcers instead you can choose to join the guard as an alternative and it's just stuff like that it's it's, it's really cool
1: they've done stuff before in the past the regimental standard have if i recall correctly it was vansar uh, laz rifles or something oh, right. like that that the that they uh, had on a recall, funnily enough, again as well. (laughs) Yes, if it was like a Um, a
3: faulty um, product recall in the supermarket or something like that, it was that kind of vibe, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, anything that... fleshes the world out itself I just think it's great which is why I love seeing little posters and stuff that people put on yeah. the train and that it just makes it look a little bit more lived in a bit more real
1: and I appreciate the fact Craig that you're doing this where you're you're doing resources and like sites and things as well because to be honest I hadn't thought about doing that but yeah again if we're trying to draw people in that have not played the game before and we want them to have all these resources that's, that's a great way of passing that information on to them
4: it's really hard to find the stuff as well if you're not actually like keeping an eye on your emails if you subscribe to the things or um, you never see this stuff talked about. They've, they've gone to all the effort of making this article. Granted, it is quite small, but it's got this piece of artwork in it, which is this recall product uh, poster. But no, not very many people see it unless people talk about it. And it's got some really good humor to it as well. So consumption side effects may include headaches, nausea, increased aggression, poor attitude towards authority, and an inex- <laughs> inexplicable desire to make furniture from skulls.
1: It's just it's
4: that sort of stuff. It's I just love that the humour yeah. in it as well. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's that real
1: hit it right at the right point. I think. Yeah, the real
4: grim dark satire that's that's throughout the whole thing is just beautiful.
1: Grim dark satire. That sounds mm. familiar. <laughs> um, so yeah, the second thing that I want to mention is a guy called Todd Goss uh, on Facebook. Now uh, Todd's been putting up some pictures recently of I think I don't know if he specifically did it as an entry for the Facebook Necromunda terrain. Uh, page Because they do competitions, don't they? Because they did the, the sump one recently. And he made a little sump area. And when I saw it, I thought, in my head, that is exactly where our uh, Sump City Radio shack is in the harbour of Sump City and yeah. it's just brilliant. Um they've got like a bait shop with a big fish like sign hanging out above it and then like these this janky little walkway going past the shacks out the front and there's a I think it's Goliath sat on the docks fishing as well. All oh, right. Um and he's he's been good enough actually because I spoke to him about letting us use some of those images for, like for potential artworks in future as well. So uh, thanks very much for that, Todd. Yeah, yeah thank
3: brilliant. you. I think I know I think I've seen the one because you've you've commented on his post, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, and he's like, um, I think he's one of the first people that actually, other than Craig, I think he's the only other person I've seen putting any um preliminary work in for that competition. You know, like some people show are kind of work as they go through it. Um, yeah. yeah, some really effective stuff on that. So yeah, definitely worth a check out. But I'm, I'm sure again it'll all be linked in on the on the page, so people can go and check that out at their leisure. As
4: long as you're doing our jobs properly, yeah. <laughs> oh, well in right, that case, um... then <laughs> good luck. But <laughs> luck, isn't it? So, really?
1: anything else anyone wants to mention? Yeah, um,
3: I'd like to um, throw out the Goonhammer articles. So okay, I've yeah, gone yeah. to a resource this time, Craig. So you're not, you're hey. not there. Um, <laughs> they, they've done like a. Whether well, in the process of doing comprehensive articles on the different gangs, on different aspects of the game, the recent one, uh, the, the latest one was just uh, on the Dark Uprising, um, sorry, the Book of Ruin, the review on the Book of Ruin. So, like, oh, right. I don't know, yeah, it's, it's really decent. It's like a nice little concise where, um, It is subjective. So, obviously, because the Escher one, uh, i read through that and i was like oh that sounds really cool uh, but then on the esher group a few people were saying i disagree with a lot of this which you know how you run your gang is how you run your gang and there's going to be 10 different yeah. people play 10 different ways but i like when there's you know people coming into the hobby totally new you've got all these books all these gangs you know what i mean two different sets of bo- like uh core set all these groups you can join different advice coming in from different places to have it all broken down into sections, almost like bookmarks. I think it's a really nice um, bite-sized piecemeal way of, of breaking the information down. And I think you do a good job of, of cutting away all the chaff and just getting the, the basic facts down. So it can be as Definitely. simple as you could flick through 10 pages of bullet lists for the gangs and go like pros and cons where well, they sound like something i'd like to try that sounds like you know what i mean and, and just it's a nice kind of um yeah community tool uh so hats off to those yeah. guys because I, I wouldn't like to think i was going through the whole book of, of, with the whole of the books all of the gangs all of the aspects of the game and then trying to de- to describe that in like a a more palatable, uh, easy to digest way,
1: and they're very concise about it as well.
4: You know, you're on a Necromunda podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that might actually no, on a radio station. We, we, we're going to have to
1: do what they've done as well. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm on a radio station. It's different. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, don't don't forget that. So um the other one that I want to throw in with is uh, Tara's. I, I think is that. It's uh, Tara's T. A yes. uh, guy who's posted up on Facebook. Oh, um, yeah. I th- swear he's on Instagram as well. It, I think I've yeah. seen the post that I'm going to refer to come past it on my, on my list at some point, but I just couldn't find it to reference it.
3: I think he might be all lock and loaded on Instagram, possibly. Oh, right possibly yeah, in
1: which case then I'll, I'll go and double check that in mm-hmm. a bit but um it was his harriet hawk yeah. conversion oh, yes. that he made and it was like made out of knives and plates of armor which i seem to recall were the goliath armor plates yeah, and yeah. a number of other little bits in there as well but i just thought that was a really nice little conversion uh, um was it supposed to represent um what was it the which bird is it that they've got in one of the newer books the sheen does oh. it, it just called one, a sheen is bird is it? Uh, is it or i think there's another one isn't there yeah, it it, I think but it's the other
3: them. one and I can't think of the name. Is it Ah, oh, it's gone out of my head completely. Yeah, no, the yeah. shame birds are more like crows, aren't they? They're more like crows right. with a little cybernetic. It, yeah. There's a um there's a, a pet you can have
4: and it's like a yeah, a robot kind of hawk, which is what it ah. is. Is that like the one that was featured in the um the short story? The one of the um bounty hunter stories.
3: I think possibly, possibly, yeah.
4: Hang on, I'm just going
3: to have a quick flick now. while if you guys keep talking, <laughs> if you've I'll got see the it.
1: books there, then by all means, please do, because I know that anyone listening to this is going to be screaming it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and going, it's this thing. Kylie Jenner's fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh look. Well, right, whilst uh, Chris is doing that, Craig, is there anything else you want to throw out?
4: Yes, I think there's uh, there's one last thing. I'm going to paste it into the chat. I think it's one thing that we've all been waiting for for our Necromunda collection, and that is. The Necromunda Dark Uprising keyring. Can you
1: actually buy that separately, or was that an exclusive?
4: Um, it's not up for sale at the moment. Ah, included free. An
1: exclusive then.
4: Only available while stocks last, so I think it was out for pre-order at the same time. Yeah, but it was also included I do uh, remember plugging three.
1: it and saying, "If you pre-order, you get this exclusive keyring." Uh, when they <laughs> released the N17 box set, you got uh, extra ruler, and you got the exclusive card uh, from oh, yeah. the stores, which was the um, Underhive Tremors. Mm. So, <clears> it, it is quite a cool. Yeah, they've
4: but... they've made the keyring a bit like a uh, a bit like one of their posters as well. For workers, by workers, from workers. They're claiming it's made from corpse starch. (laughs) Hundred percent recycled. They contain bone, yeah. Oh.
1: Uh, That's pretty cool. So
4: yeah, maybe chuckle, but I I just added that in there for the for the giggles to be honest. (laughs) So that's one thing Uh, I never knew I was missing from my collection.
1: In which case then, I'm gonna quickly whiz through two more if that's okay, and just so, so I can throw these out there and get the references in. Uh, Mark Bedford's, who's a Games Workshop employee, he was on the Twitch stream when they were announcing the Dark Uprising because they played a game with Enforcers versus the Dark... uh, Sorry, they played a game versus the Corpse Grinder cult. Right. And he built this... Bit of terrain for the middle of that board, and it looks amazing. I wish this was an actual kit that you could buy as a bit of terrain because I would. And it was basically Hmm. a corpse grinder factory. Oh, yes. Um, So literally, you had like the little conveyor belt going up to this massive, like jawed pit. Yeah. Um, And it was just really cool. Grapple hawks. Thank you, Chris. It was Grapple hawks. (laughs) (laughs) That was the one that we were talking about before. Um, But yeah, Mark Bedford did a brilliant job on that, and it was really cool. And then the last guy that I want to reference is a chap called, and I hope I pronounced this correctly, Alberto Zambrana. And he's been posting up a couple of things into the group recently, which are all, like, conversions. And two in particular that you want to check out, and again, we'll have the pictures for it, is Frankenstrain, the Jotun, And then his version of the, what he rather politely refers to as the flying potato <laughs> uh, and we call the psychic testicle oh yes um it's the uh otram 8-8 and he's done a really nice version of that um so again have a look at the pictures on the group go check these guys out online if you can um but yeah guys anything else you want to mention for this section
3: yeah, well I, I would um I've got a few but I can mention them at other times I'll put them on the group, but the one that I wanted to get in was because i talked about it when I talked about um my uh, Fragstone strix. Um a guy called Ned Smith, um and he'd posted on Worldwide, on Necromunda Worldwide on Facebook, okay. um and his vansar, they're all black, but um they look as if they've been like lit up by neon lights. Oh I the ones with the pink lights. Pink, yeah, like a pinky yeah, hue with then ones bluish, you're talking bluish about. They hues. Are
1: awesome,
4: yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, it's just really sim- simple concept but executed fantastic. I'm not suggesting that it's easy to do, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, but it, you know, it because when I messaged him, I was like, Have you done this as contrast? He's like, No, it's all just dry brushing. I was <laughs> like, No way, you know what I mean? I, I and I've like try to get as close to the image as i can and it does appear that it is mainly dry brush like built up in slow dry brush layers but i think he must have gone in and touched certain edges up because dry brushing is not as controlled as obviously um hitting some of those finer details yeah but they look stunning they just look really really good and if i can emulate that effect on my bounty hunter that's what i'm going to do so that's a ned smith yeah cool
1: brilliant Right, well, that's probably it for this month, if we're doing it monthly, Hot in the Hive. So, in the meantime, let's head over to Blitz and Krieg, our sports correspondents, for their report from Murder Brawl. Thank you, Steve! I am Blitz! And I
6: am Krieg! We are coming to you live in the Hive, from the heart of Murder Brawl, MMXX! That means 2020! Indeed it does, and this year the stakes are higher than ever! Super high! The Pit Arena has had the most extreme makeover this year. Long gone of the tribe of tested Spike and Crock Pits. But in their place, we now have chained chimerics with a 20 meter radius of death. Danger Zone! But wait, because that's not all. This year, we'll be bringing back the jetpack Flamer Midgets, Bunsen and Burner! They might be small, but they burn it all. DEFINITELY FAN FAVORITES, KRIEG! AND THEY'RE BRINGING FRIENDS! EVERY NIGHT OF THIS WEEK LONG EVENT, WE'LL SEE THE RETURN OF A PAST CHAMPION, READY TO TEST THEIR mettle IN THE ARENA FIGHTS! TO THE DEATH! IT WILL CERTAINLY BE INTERESTING! ESPECIALLY SINCE THE USE OF STIMS HAS BEEN ALL BUT REMOVED FROM THE SPORT IN THE LAST FEW YEARS! SOME OF THE RETURNING chaps DON'T GET OUT OF THEIR COTS IN THE MORNING WITHOUT A HEALTHY DOSE OF friend zone. So who knows how this is going to go down? Intrigue! Precisely. Join us later for a special interview. We recorded with up and coming Weirdo Cardo champion, Brother Cutum! He has a pumpkin for a hand, but his sword will leave you dead. Brutal Krieg! Absolutely brutal. But that's what it's all about. At Murder Brawl! For now. It's back to the studio. Later, haters.
2: Sup, 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 Gene City. Sup, City Radio.
1: Okay, and we're back in the studio now. Thank you very much, Blitz and Krieg, for that. So what we're going to do is we're going to move on to a segment that we have titled "Shooting the Shit."
2: It's time to shoot the shit
1: in shooting the shit uh what we're going to do is talk about the main topics of the month so in this case as you can imagine given the time that we're doing this it's going to be the dark uprising box set that has literally today landed in my house (laughs) thank you very much dpd for delaying that one so uh yeah i've not i've opened the box i've had a look at the contents of it but this is going to be the good time for us to sort of you know, talk about everything that we've seen online and what we've heard and, and sort of just discuss it as a whole so uh chris craig help me out here what what are we talking about with dark uprising
4: yeah i i should point out that i am the only one of the three of us who doesn't have a copy to hand <laughs> so i'm going off what i've seen online which to be fair is a fair bit but uh essentially we are talking about the dark uprising box and right yeah. I well, think the we... first
1: thing to mention then, if we're talking about the box, is the sheer bloody size of it. It is huge. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a hefty. It's like your mum, Craig. It's huge. Oh, it's like, you know, you uh, Double the size of the original, like N17 Necromunda box. Easy, I reckon. I mean, height-wise as well as like the the, the dimensions of it. It's just it's just huge. So you're Holy. getting a lot of goodies in that box.
3: Yeah, it's 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 like a few people's mums. It opens really easy and it smells funky. <laughs>
1: Oh. Oh, no, I know I kind of like the smell of a fresh box. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man. Yeah no I've uh, uh Craig you're probably on about an even kill with me because although I have received it I yeah. have opened it I have checked the contents and slavered all over them. Uh it's now been taken away to be oh no brought
1: to be wrapped up for, pre- <laughs> for yeah. presents of Christmas. Ah. Did you keep yeah. the book out? Nah. Oh Oh, uh, <laughs> you missed a trick there you could have slacked the book out schoolboy no the road. i
3: could I could go and get the book out to be fair. it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not already wrapped or anything it's just you'll yeah, never I'm know are oh, right there. not allowed to sit and cut things out of sprues <laughs> and build them and stuff which so i have that's made me stay away from it to be honest because I already started thinking oh that's going and then so yeah no I put the lid back on stick it out of the road and I got a a Harry Harry ball with mine as well so
1: ah, hey. uh, where did you get that from then
3: um Alchemist, alchemy. Da, 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 da. On, two, is it so.
1: Alchemy Works or something like that?
3: Um, it is Alchemist's Workshop. That's ah, the one. Yeah. Workshop.
1: There we go. Yeah. Brilliant. Um,
3: I was going to use the same guy as you, uh, Steve, and I contacted him, but then. I knew that the price didn't include postage, and I thought Postage is going to add even more on top of that. Whereas if I use this company that this guy had recommended, it was free Postage and I could track it really easily. I thought, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm safe doing that with, with that kind of money and that kind yeah, of way. That's
1: fair. So, I mean, to be fair um, I hadn't used the chap who I did use to get Dark Uprising before. I just was going off of a recommendation from Craig mm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean Credit to the, the guy who did it. He was absolutely lovely chap. In fact, I'll mention his name, uh, Simon Gurney. Thank you very much for sorting me out with the Dark Uprising box. DPD delayed the delivery of it, but that has nothing to do with you. You've been an absolute pleasure throughout the whole process. So um, he's got a little group, which is Greetings from the Warp. Is that what it's called, Craig?
4: Yeah, to be fair, I think he's just a member of that group. But yeah, it's a service he offers to... Uh to the guys in it. I think he might be a member of the gaming group because they run a lot of tournaments and events up there for everything from Horus Heresy to 40K. Um Yeah, so I think he's just part of that whole, uh, that shebang, yeah.
1: But, yeah, thanks to Simon, and he's, he's quite openly sort of said, yeah, people, when I come and join our group, then feel free to do so. And it's a nice little community group that they've got going there. And, of course, the added bonus is, is that you've got a guy in the group who can order stuff for you direct from Games Workshop as well. So once you get to know him, I'm sure you know, you'll be just as comfortable ordering from him as I was. So, um, yeah, but that's a little side plug there. But, yeah, the box itself, the price of it. Now, on Games Workshop website, that's, what, 170, 175 quid? Yeah. So, a little bit pricey, especially when you (laughs) consider that the original Necromunda box was 75 quid. You're paying an extra £100. Mm. But I've got to say... um, I think it's almost worth that price. It's definitely 100% worth the price that you you're able to get it from if you go to um additional sort of like resellers like mm. say my guy and alchemy uh, workshop and all that kind of place. It's definitely worth getting it if you can get it for around about 130 quid, no question. Um so I don't know what your thoughts are on that though.
4: Yeah, um I was just going to say that I was I was concerned if I'm honest when I when I saw it there's, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but there's a, there's a game, Adeptus Titanicus, and when that first came out, they released, um, released a Grand Master box, which was essentially right. the only box that was available for it. And what that did is it gave everybody the impression, everyone I've spoken to in my circle of friends, it gave them the impression that it's a really expensive game. And the reason that the box was so expensive was because of the terrain they put in it, which a lot of people don't put much... Um, value on and it really sullied people's opinion of the game a lot of people were like oh I can't get into that it's too expensive but when they actually started releasing the models separately they were really really competitive um, and considering the the detail on them them as well it's fantastic Um, so I was really concerned that this was the same sort of thing and it kind of is. The majority of the cost of the box is in the terrain, isn't it? Oh, well, definitely. I would say
1: that that's a fair comment, yeah.
4: 17 sprues, yeah that's, that's a, yeah, that's a fair
1: comment. It was actually more than... I think it was like 20 sprues. Oh,
4: no, that? but I mean, just terrain, you've got 17. Oh,
1: just, just, yeah. just terrain, yeah.
4: Yeah, and a lot of the weight's in that as well, because, of course, you don't have the um, the tiles that you had in the original one. That was a lot of weight there. you just got the paper mat instead. Um, you've so basically you got two gangs. Granted, they are bigger than the ones in the original box. Um, so that's mm-hmm. kind of the same. You've got a rule book. That's that's kind of the same. Um and instead of getting like the loot boxes and bulkheads and whatnot that you got in the original, you're just getting the um the Zomitalis stuff. So I think that's where the value is. It's in the it's in the just, terrain. Just
1: to pull you up ever so slightly there, Craig, um right. you do get the loot boxes and some of the barricades that you get from yeah. the original
3: box. You get one well. of yeah. one of the spruzes repeated from the original box. It's the one with the the tentacle coming out of the Yep. Like
1: oh, yeah, that's the best bit about the whole box. <laughs> yeah,
4: and you get uh, you get the pipes as well, don't you? They've thrown some of the Prometheus.
3: Yeah, you, pipes
1: you in do there.
4: actually. That's another one you get that's repeated. It's the um, plasma,
3: the plasma conduits, the the pipes. Yeah.
1: So yeah, as so I say, you get an awful lot in that box. The the train itself. Let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. I uh, Again, with Games Workshop. The price is something that you have to consider carefully, especially if you want a full table of it. Mm. But the actual quality of the terrain, you can't argue with it. Um, the, I mean, they've got stairs in this one. Hey. That's, that's a new thing for Games Workshop terrain. <laughs> it's not just ladders anymore. Yeah, the, the quality of the terrain itself, the bits they've got in it, the fact that they've inserted... Uh, little magnet holes for it now so you can make the whole thing magnetic yeah i've just heard massively positive things about the the train the only thing that i've heard which sounds a little bit weird is and i've not been able to confirm this myself yet because i've not got it out of the box is the size of the doorways The, the single width doorways apparently you can't stand a goliath sized base in the middle of it um so if you're like part way through a door which as far as i'm concerned if you're a goliath you don't want to be doing anyway Uh, (laughs) and there's a history behind that one um is that you can't fit the model in there so that sounds a bit odd but other than that that's the only sort of like the critique that i've heard of it that's any way bad
3: yeah i watched the before i'd I'd received my box um i watched the video is gorilla minute mini gaming or yeah, Gorilla miniatures. I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen it. Yeah. And he'd done a, an unboxing and then a building video. And his building video, he's like, "Oh, you can't get a thirty-two base through there." He's saying, "And I'm not sure about the rules. I'll have to look into it." But I don't think that that means that a miniature that can't fit through can't go through. And I don't think that's the case. I don't remember that rule. And if you look at the doors on the actual on the original game, not not the ninety-five game on the uh, seventeen. 2017 game the little doors that they've got like carved in like um sculpted into those bulkheads they aren't big enough for for a goliath base to fit through they're big right. enough for a person to squeeze through if they needed to yeah. and i think kind of you've got to let a little bit of realism slip with that and i would argue that you'd either have to stay on the other side of the door if your move couldn't get you through or you'd be on the other side of it but you know what i mean you'd have to house rule that or agree between yourselves uh, what does this mean but the idea that you can't pass through it if your base doesn't fit in it that doesn't seem real to me because you know those guys aren't really walking
4: around with a base on their feet you know what i mean they're just <laughs> i was just gonna say i think if you're if you're playing somebody in a game there's a, there's something to be said um it's something that you have that you do in um horace heresy zone mortalis games the different doors you can fit the You can fit different things through, so you have a smaller door, which everyone knows they were the same size as the ones that came out in the original box because that was based on the Horus Heresy Zomortalis um, sets, and you agree with your opponent what can and can't go through the different doors uh, at the beginning of the game, and I'd say the same thing goes for any table really, if you've got some difficult terrain, dangerous terrain, you you have to talk with the person you're about to play and agree all that stuff because the last thing anyone wants is to have gotcha moments in a game. There's nothing worse to take you out of the fun of a game than for somebody to say, "No, you can't do what you're just planning on doing." That you've just built three episodes of movement towards doing, um, because I don't agree with your interpretation of what the table does. Um, yeah, that's yeah, my I see what you mean. Te- that's my two penneth. On the, on that, but the, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for for talking to your opponent and and agreeing those things because it might be that in order for the for the gameplay, you don't want a uh, ambot to go through a 32 millimeter um, gap. Yeah, I and mean, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with an ambot. You know, an ambot
3: can't get through that door. I can't I, in my head. I can't envisage that happening. I can envisage a, a Goliath turning sideways and putting his arm through oh, yeah. and then his head through. You know what I mean? That that doesn't. That's not beyond the realms of possibility in my head. So I think you'd have to be playing with the right, yeah, reads as written. You know, it's like those guys who want to. Well, it doesn't say that I can't. um, You know, a a one always fails and a six always passes. That that is the way it is. You you can't. And the reason that is is because if you get a guy with ballistic skill one, he always hits. But then you got get a guy that always saves on a on a one. Then you're never hitting that guy you've 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 destroyed the game, and it's like well, you can't tell me that that doesn't happen. This skill should let me and it's like why are you doing this? you're doing this because you want to win That's not because you want the game to be good or you want to enjoy it or you want the opponent to enjoy it. If it's purely about winning, I'm not interested I'm really, really not interested and yeah and that
4: that is a subject all by itself i think yeah 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 <laughs> yeah
1: yeah as for the terrain in the box um i would say the only other thing that i just want to sort of point out is that they've got lifts They've yeah, got lifts. Yeah. I'm actually ridiculously excited for the lifts. I really hope that in the new rule book, they've got proper rules for how to use the lifts because <laughs> they've got rules for it now. That's it. It's an official thing. I've not got to like go, okay, well, we've put this in as a as a cool thing, but you know, you'll have to make up your own rules for it. We've actually got lift rules now, hopefully. So yeah. I'm really excited about that, as, as ridiculous as that sounds.
4: I know, I totally understand that. I, I originally envisaged making a lift for one of my terrain pieces, We just never got around to it.
1: Uh, um, What about the Corpse Grinder cult, then? What do we think of the models?
3: I think they look gorgeous. Um, I'm unsure about having just a purely close combat um, gang. Now, I know... The difference is that their Jews can use like flamethrowers and stuff and heavy weapons.
1: Uh, apparently, from what I've been hearing recently, there's no weapon restrictions on the Jews at all, and they've got infiltrate as a bonus as well.
4: Yeah. Wow. I knew they could take pistols, but I didn't realise heavy weapons. Yeah. No, I
3: mean... you, there's no nothing stopping you chucking flamethrowers, heavy stubbers, anything you want on them. So they become nasty little things with yeah. infiltrate, like Staves just said as well. And then I was like, initially, it was like close combat only, but they've got these masks on. If you want to shoot them, you have to pass kill checks or, or leadership or whatever it is. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, willpower, I believe. They're going to be beastly things to fight, I think. Now, not impossible, and there's always a way. You know what I mean? There's, there'll be tactics, and people will figure that out before, you know what I mean, before the week's over. But, mm. yeah, just they sound pretty pretty intimidating as a as a gang to face off with when, yeah...
1: Someone suggested to me earlier on that you can literally take a leader and then with all the other points that you've got, you can just build the whole gang out of Jews, because the rules <laughs> for composition on the Corpse Grinder Cult Gang are different to normal gangs. It's like yeah. as long as you've got you, in fact, you have to have more Jews than another type. I think it's just like the ordinary ganger type or something oh, like yeah. that. But um, yeah, the way it's built, all Jews, one leader everyone's got infiltrate basically everyone's got like Mm. any weapon that you want for the the price that you're starting off with so it could be a very interesting way of playing the game it could work very competitively as a a gang or it could completely break it um so i'm really curious to hear from anyone who's actually tried those types of builds uh and and see what it's like uh, obviously i've not even got them out of the sprue yet so i've no idea but <laughs> you know by all means let us know how it gets on with your corpse grinder cult models and uh we'll uh, you know talk about that more at a later time hopefully
4: definitely but
1: <clears throat> as for the, the the quality of the models themselves everything they're putting out with necromunda is is just really cool these days um I, th- I think they look a little bit and i have to use this word carefully corny Because I don't mean as in like (laughs) stupid, but I mean as in like they worship corn, and they're as close as you're going to get as in Necromunda without them actually knowing what that's all about. But I kind of like that as well.
3: Hmm. Well, yeah, it it is corn that they worship, so they're unaware of it being corn. They don't know the gods by their names, and they all have like names that they know the gods by. So like, um, they've got several.
1: The Lord of uh, Skin and Sinew, I believe. Yeah, Skin and
3: Sinew is the one that you kind you've heard more more commonly but uh blood blood god or or whatever there's a few different ones in the in the book of ruin if you have a flick through that they should look a bit corn like because that is essentially the god that they're they're worshiping so skulls and i suppose influence would probably
1: pass down from from i know the outside sources because it's all a kind of I know like corn putting some kind of influence into the universe or something along those lines and maybe that then has a knock on effect but
4: yeah I mean essentially they've they've been eating so much human flesh and been around so much gore that they've started hearing whispering in their ear I think is the, the, the general one. idea yeah. and so it's going to um it's going to influence the way they start thinking from that point on
1: hmm. I've got to say that When I first started out with Goliaths, I absolutely loved building gangs that were based around close combat and being absolutely brutal killing machines. But, Mm. you know, games I've played since then, it's become a case of that shooting has become a massive, massive part of Necromander. And and this is the thing, I don't remember in the original version shooting being so important or having such an emphasis on it for winning games that I thought I seem to recall that there was more of a balance between the close combat aspects and the shooting long range
3: Avansar was always very quick off the bat good shooting gang they always had access to and the, mid game they were known as a cheesy gang because they were able to shoot up quite quickly and they were able to, to become more adept at, at shooting than other gangs uh, sooner so it, it, you always found that it tend to be vansar that dominated campaigns
1: so it was a case yeah. of in the old version it was still the same kind of thing that shooting was the the way that everything went eventually anyway rather than close combat yeah well i've got to say then even more so now i'm really interested to see how a close combat group does where that's the emphasis I mean, they've got yeah. a couple of little tips and tricks that I've heard about like with the cards where you can sort of try and dodge out of the way of things coming in and all kinds of stuff like that. So, you know, it's got to be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to sort of getting to grips with the box and, and seeing what's going on with that.
3: I don't think it's by accident that when they release a two-foot-by-two-foot two board, uh, even the tiles that you can buy, <laughs> the plastic tiles, make a two-foot-by-two-foot two square with that kind of semi-zone mortalis semi um multi level uh terrain that they bring out a gang that you know what I mean will benefit from tight corridors uh that don't allow and like corners and and stuff like that that'll allow them to sneak up on the enemy and get in without taking too much fire from like you know what i mean there's not many firing lanes in a in in a two by two so zone mortalis yeah. game not the way That's they've, they've yeah. illustrated it and I think they've they've brought that gang out to that accentuates their strengths. Definitely a lot more than say, if they'd have been brought out yeah. in the original Ooh. game or, or, or like midway through the the um, the release cycle. I think it has struggled a little more.
4: Personally, it's, it's oh, just yeah, a perception because I haven't played um, them or played with them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean even, even if they do turn out to be overpowered as well, you could you could almost see them as a, another arbitrator tool on top of the enforcers because essentially in a in a um a hive that's falling to to chaos, as with the corpse grinder cult's dark uprising scenario. Essentially, the main powers, the main two forces that are sort of fighting each other, you've got the corpse um, grinders, and you've got the enforcers. And all the gangs that were there as it all went down are still trying to do what they're doing, but they're, they're coming across pressure from both sides. So they're like having to fear this new craziness and it's Um, at the same time trying to avoid the law (laughs) yeah exactly and they're sort of sandwiched in the middle so you can almost use them as an arbitrator and to put pressure from from both sides on the the players in a campaign
1: speaking of an arbitrator putting pressure onto people uh we've also got the introduction (laughs) of the subjugator models Oh, yes. um, which is interesting because I mean, again they sounded really cool when the enforcers came out, but obviously there were no models to represent that, and there were a number of people I think that went to like the uh, the Ogrins with the uh, the big shields on them and were like ripping oh, yeah. the shields off of them or just using Ogrins full stop. I know I was. But well, they weren't far off the mark <laughs> um, to be fair, were they? I mean, they no. they look. Because they had great big yeah. grenade launchers as well, which is what yeah. the other RAMs are. I didn't even realise that at the time. I thought the RAM was literally like, you know, the things that the, the police have to go knocking down doors. I thought it was like that. <laughs> it, it is. It's,
3: it's just a 41st millennium fun. version of that though, isn't it? It's it's pneumatic. Yeah. With, a with a grenade launcher. With a grenade launcher under slung, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. when I first saw that, yeah, a couple of
4: pistons involved.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was a bit steep for a close combat weapon. And then someone pointed out to me, no, hang on, it's, it's got a grenade launcher on it as well. So it's like... Oh, all right, okay. Points-wise, that actually makes a bit more sense <laughs> now, plus it's also a bit more versatile, so that's cool. I, I, I've got to say, the model, though, annoys me ever so slightly because of the just the ram bit at the end of the weapon that's kind of like that hammer-shaped head that goes yeah. over where the grenades launch out. And it's like, has someone actually had any weapons experience who's made this? Because the grenade coming out of that hole is very likely to catch at the end, and if it does, that's game over for you, sunshine. And it's like, you Risk just and reward. Change the shape of the ram bit at the end, or or dropped the grenade launcher down just a little bit further so that it didn't, you know, get in the way of things. But you know, it's just me being picky about stuff. But overall. You Know again the, the look of the models is fantastic. I love those.
4: It's uh, it's like those planes in World War Two that had their machine guns timed to propellers. avoid the uh, the propellers, yeah, it's that sort of thing. Maybe it spins and it's <laughs> <laughs> and it's timed to avoid the uh, the oh, so that It's way.
1: time so it'll only fire when there's not one of the things in the way, <laughs> yeah. That's something I hadn't considered to be fair. Um, but yeah, or maybe I mean... it
4: only does it when it's extended,
1: <laughs> maybe. Um, oh. So, yeah, the subjugators and the enforcers, any thoughts on those guys?
4: I've never really been
3: drawn to them since they were released I, I i i was out with the hobby I was out with the game before arbitrators or anything like I came in enforcers um and then when they brought them back it I, I think they're lovely sculpts i they sound like a decent gang to run with. They just never grabbed me. There was not like a theme or a hook that I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 they just seem a bit uh, vanilla. And when everything else has so much character, I I find that, yeah, I find them a little bit, I'll keep them, and I'll probably build them and work with them and and see how I feel, like, playing on the table with them, but, yeah, they just, they don't blow me away, like, as a a thing, they're just coppers, do you know what I mean? That's all they are, they're just... Mm. if
1: nothing else i would say that it's worth holding on to them because at least from my point of view as somebody who likes to arbitrate a lot of games they're really useful to have if you want an extra threat thrown into a scenario um i yeah. would say that beforehand they were definitely viewed as this kind of it's almost well to be fair given the time frame it would be but it's more like judge dread in the sense of that, when the judges turn up, you run unless you're an absolute nutjob <laughs> who wants to be shot down. Yeah. Um, because they were tough as nails, whereas in this version, they've kind of reduced the toughness of them, and they don't seem quite as threatening. Now, I don't know if that's just me and the way that I've played them as so far, um, or the what you know what I've heard about other people using them and things like that, but or whether it is literally where they've just kind of toned down the aggressiveness of them. And I wonder if that's where the subjugator ones might sort of help pick things up a little bit.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I, they certainly look more interesting now you've got the different types without any doubt. Um Yeah. That, that without a doubt for me, um, they certainly make a little bit more flavorful, a little bit more interesting. Like, I'm definitely not getting rid of them. You know what I mean? Like, they're part of a very expensive box of plastic that I've just purchased. <laughs> that they're getting used and they're getting built up and they're getting painted. And I'm sure I'll see something that somebody's done and it'll spark something, and that'll be it. I'll be off. But mm. yeah, it, just that, that initial. It's just like oh, I don't really want to play the police in a in a world full of bad guys <laughs> and drug addicts and violent criminals. Really yeah be the police you know
4: it it, it it i think I feel the same way as you to be honest on that one yeah
1: yeah the campaign rules are a little bit goody goody <laughs> at least from the yeah. uh, the Book of Judgment, anyway, where it's like uh, you can't have uh, territories, you can't have all the core weapons, but you can fuck with people because you can take the territory <laughs> from that one and you can give it to someone else. Yes, yeah. and that's is about as is about as evil as you can get being the police, really. <laughs> Although the scavenging rules was something they alluded to in the Book of Judgment that you could do with the enforcers, but obviously that's only just come out, so I'm really curious to see what that's all about.
4: Yeah, I haven't looked at that bit myself. Um, I think it's nice that they came out as plastic as well, as opposed to I think a lot of people are expecting some Forge World upgrade packs to get the uh, to get the models.
1: Oh, the subjugated ones. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because yeah, yeah. Confirmed that earlier on. They've got all the shields and everything on the uh, plastic sprues, so that's nice. And I suppose a very small shout out to the uh flame dice as well <laughs> which we've kind of like overshot yeah. obviously and we've got the book of ruin but you know i'm gonna have to spend a while going over that it's gonna be a good read though i suspect
4: yeah i think there's a lot more content we need to cover in future episodes on this uh on this box
1: oh absolutely yeah i mean it's, it's just unfortunate the timing of uh, the podcast versus the uh, the release the release of yeah. the, the, the box or at least you know if dpd had actually delivered it yesterday like they were supposed to do <laughs> then i might have had a better insight yeah. into things, i've had a, but, I've had a um, quick flick
3: through the book of and it's a really good decent like um source book and rule book i think so far um i've not ever had to play anything out of it but it's nice to have everything kind of in one place Re really cult cultists and um uh gene Steele cults as well and i like the flavor that you Ooh. can anyway let's get into that another time because yeah, uh, yeah it yeah yeah otherwise it's going to go on for another hour at least um <laughs> yeah but no definitely it, uh <laughs> the book In the actual box itself is a nice little self contained rule, but you need everything you need to play is in there. You know, you don't need anything else for that. Yeah. And then you obviously pick up the extra rule books, and you can start chucking extra stuff in. Um, but no, I, I, I'm really happy with the, with, with the release
1: as a whole. Okay, uh, anything else you guys want to chuck on there? No, I think uh, that's Nothing yeah. we to tackle Fantastic. Some of the rest of the content story. for Dark the future. Rising, Dark Uprising box set. Um, we're going to have to give it a bit of a playthrough and uh, Craig, you can <laughs> come mm. around and have, have a go on my copy of it. But uh, yeah, we'll see yeah. how it goes and we'll talk about it more in future episodes. So just as we're hitting the end of shooting the shit, uh, what I want to do is just sort of elaborate by going that in future episodes of shooting the shit, it will be a bit more varied because we've already started talking to people um, who we think would be worthwhile to have on the podcast about doing interviews and things like that. Potentially a couple of competitions coming up in the future as well. Um, so we are going to try and keep it as varied as possible rather than just discussing the the next thing that's coming out. A um, couple of ideas sure. that we've thrown around are things like uh, what we're referring to as is the arbitrator's test chamber. So if, as a listener, you have ideas for a potential gang build or just one model that you thought, you know, what if I load it up with this particular kit, but I've not had the time to try it out, then, uh, by all means, you know, uh, send that idea our way and then we'll throw it into that segment about, you know, testing things and report back on, on how it went. Similarly, if you've got ideas for other segments as well, let us know. We'll see what we can do about it. Uh, but in which case then guys if that's it for this segment what we'll do is we'll hand back over to blitz and krieg for part two of their murder brawl report
6: thank you steve i am blitz and i am krieg and we are here in the locker room at murder brawl mmxx to speak with one of the more unusual contestants taking part this year and that's saying something, given that a past contestant in Murder Brawl, MMVII, was a dog in a giant mech suit. This champion has had runaway success in his first few matches by literally carving through the competition. And possibly their own face. Let's find out, Krieg. So, listeners, please welcome... Brother
7: Cut'em! Salutations and the Emperor's blessings, infidels.
6: What does he mean, infidels? Brother Cutum, how are you finding this year's murder? Gratifying Blitz. It's an opportunity
7: to cleanse the underhive of non-believers and those who are weak of faith. Admittedly, only a few souls at a time, but nonetheless,
6: gratifying. Creepy! Well, it said you should do what you love and love what you do. Glatitudes! Brother Cutum. Is there any particular strategy you've adopted for your matches? I apply the three F's. Faith in the
7: Emperor and myself and my sword. Fear, cause it in your prey. And ferocity, give no quarter and no mercy. Speed is also essential. Too many contestants in recent years rely on keeping away from their opponents until firearms are unlocked. Not me. Close the
6: distance. Carve and dismember. Brutal philosophy. That it is, Krieg. That it is. So, brother, cut him. Is there any particular opponent you're looking forward to taking on in the arena? I've heard that the bounty
7: hunter Gore Halfhorn is entering the arena again this year. I
6: believe he would be a worthy adversary. Whoa! Halfhorn! You, my friend, are one crazy motherfucker. After a four-year hiatus to focus on collecting bounties, we can confirm that the unstoppable wrecking machine of an ap-human, Gore half Horror, is indeed returning to the fray of murder Brawl. But I tell you, that kid is one mean son of a goat. We shall see whose faith is strongest in the arena. I can't wait for this match. Goat versus Gord! Speaking of which, Brother Cutum, we have to ask, what in the throne happened to your head? A select number of my faithful brothers and I were
7: baptized in a sacred fountain, discovered deep within an ancient part of the Hive. Through this baptism, the blessing of the Emperor was passed to me, leaving me with a gift of holy visage. Its purpose is to keep me humble, to protect me from vanity,
6: and to inspire fear in the unfaithful. Spooky! There are rumors circulating that you and your coalition are tainted by the war. What do you say? Lies! Spread by the unworthy and the jealous, and
7: those without the ability to divine what is holy and born of the Emperor's will.
6: Well, let's hope any inquisitors listening agree. Thank you for your time, Brother Cudom of House Cordor. May the Emperor bless you. <laughs> that guy gave me chills, Krieg. Chills! Scary man! When you look into those glowing pits he calls eyes, it's like you can see every sin you've ever committed. Indeed. Good times! (laughs) Anyway, stay tuned to Subcity Radio for more coverage of Murder Brawl MMXX with me, Blitz. And me, Krieg! But for now, it's back to the studio! TTFN!
1: Okay Blitz and Creek Thank you very much for that report The last section that we've now reached Is uh, what we're referring to as Your letters It's your
2: letters It's your letters It's your letters It's your letters, it's your letters.
1: So uh, if you get the reference to that one, it's 24 years old now. What we'd like you to do is, obviously, as this is our first episode, we don't have any letters from you guys to you know read out and uh, deal with any questions that you've got about the game or the podcast. For future episodes, please, if you've got anything that you want to send our way, we're quite happy to give you a mention in the podcast itself. It's just that we want a bit more audience engagement. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that I, I would like to see a lot more of, personally, at least. Anyway, so there's that. Um as other than that, it's it's just coming to the end and saying thank you for listening and, and getting through this far because <laughs> we're going to have about two hours worth of rambling. <laughs> um, but I imagine that, you know, as with any podcast, the first episode that you record, it's going to be a little bit janky here and there because you, oh, you're yes. just getting to know the flow of how things are. Um, but yeah, we want to open this bit up then to thank yous and acknowledgements. So um, is there anyone that you guys want to thank?
3: Yeah, I'd I'd like to thank uh, Andy from uh, Blackjack uh, Legacy, uh, his YouTube channel Facebook page. He was very kind to to share the podcast on there, and he in fact um, gave it a mention on his uh, Monday Night Live uh, stream as well. So yeah. much much uh, appreciation for that. Um, brought his own board rules to to promote us, you know, because he enjoyed the teaser so much. So massive thanks to you for that, Andy. Um, yeah. Does anybody else want to chip with thanks in?
4: Yeah, I mean uh, the guys from uh, Chronicles of the Underhive have been very welcoming when they found out. Yeah, I mean that was it really. Just uh, I was just saying, just saying thank you, and of course, thank you to you guys for uh, agreeing to do this.
1: No, oh, it's, it's it's been great fun so far. I just hope that this is actually going to sound good, and people are going to go. You know what? It's the first episode. We'll let this one slide. It looks like they're onto a good thing. It might be worth a second listen when we they bring out another episode.
3: Yeah, if you've made yeah. it this far, thank you for sticking with us. And yeah, we'll 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 get better as we go along. But uh, we're just this is a new thing for all of us. Um, thanks to Promethean Forge for sharing our um teaser trailer as well. Um, oh, yeah, they got yeah. in touch with Steve personally after he shared it um himself, um, and were really supportive. So huge shout out to them as well um and yeah the
1: guy the guy who uh runs Promethean Forge Kevin he's uh he's really into the hobby he really really likes Necromunda and I can totally get behind that kind of approach to things so I mean he contacted me about it when he saw the trailer so you know yeah massive uh appreciation no, to Kevin for um, posting it's, that it's all course. about
3: keeping it alive and keeping the community growing and that's that's hopefully what this podcast you know I mean um going to help to do as well so yeah, yeah definitely. We I'd like to think that we're part give of it, each other basically. a level at any stage then then that's fantastic
1: yeah uh... Uh, in which case then yeah just a broad thank you to everyone who has sort of been to the Facebook page shared the video around for us you know put a comment on there anything along those lines uh, it is massively appreciated so yeah again please just comments anything along those lines chuck it in the Facebook group and we'll see what we can do to expand this as, as we roll on to further episodes mm-hmm but I think that's it, and it for this one, guys. Yeah.
4: yeah. Any feedback at all from anybody? Just you know where to fire it at us. Or <laughs> really insults? Yeah. We we do accept <laughs> insults as well.
1: Especially to Chris because he can dish it out as good as he gets it. So, uh, <laughs> but in in which case then, guys, thank you very much for listening to this, and uh, that's it. Till next time. Thanks, guys.
3: Next one. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. You've been listening to Sump City Radio. Join us next time for more of the hottest happenings in the Hive. Remember to like, follow, and where possible, subscribe. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you'd like to see in the show. Have an idea? Tell us. Make your dreams come true. Oh, oh baby. Maybe not those kind of dreams. The one, the only, Sub-City Radio.
0: Sump City Radio is a registered associate of the Hertzian Guild of Hive Primus and adheres to all communication laws decreed by Lord Helmer.